Good, good morning. Uh, welcome here. <clears throat> welcome here this morning to Breakthrough City Church. Welcome to those that are also tuning in live. Welcome down there to Corny, down the coast, and those in the Free State, and those in Lesotho, and the people in Switzerland. Uh, uh, we are praying. We love you guys, and we are excited to see what God is doing. If you hunger for God, you know the Word of God says that if you will seek Him, you'll find Him. And I, I just, before I get to the message, just to say, I really feel that in the body of Christ, there are a lot of people that know about God, but they don't really know Him. And I believe there's, this is really a time that God wants us to go into, really, just to find Him in a secret place. So, um, um, because there's treasures. And um, so I'll just share that as well in the time of worship, which we just had, amazing time. Uh, just God showed me there's these things that are, are being put there for us. But we need to go and open what he has for us. Meaning that we have to come to him to receive. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And I, I just feel there's many Christians that worship from the outside and from afar. And that God is calling us into this closer place of intimacy. That we will not have a form of godliness, but we'll actually have the encounter and experience. And um, I really just believe God's inviting in the body of Christ to this closer and yet closer place because there are hidden treasures that, that he wants us to find. And I see in the spirit there are these treasures that have been hidden there for us. And for those who dil dil diligently seek him, we will find. Seek me and you will find me, the word of God says. And so that is for you and that is your personal walk with God. If you don't find that place, you'll find a system, a religious system. You'll find a church, you'll have, find a gathering of people which is on the outer circumference of what God is doing. And I really feel God is calling the church, the body of Christ, into this deeper depth of intimacy. So that is for this local church as well as for the other churches out there, the body of Christ. Amen. Alright, so I've been sharing this uh, message and I'll continue. This is very crucial, how we're building. So um, even how we've been building this year, just remember the apostolic, one of the characteristics of the apostolic, um, it is nothing about titles or anything like this, but it is about building and how we build the kingdom. Because um, God wants master builders to build. And I'm not speaking about physical structures, but actual the kingdom of God. Local spiritual houses um, is, is, is what God is busy doing. And how we build accurately will determine how the house of God gets established. So Ephesians 2 speaks about that the foundations which are laid by the apostolic and the prophetic. And how they are laid is very crucial because whatever you build in the kingdom must stand. And uh, there's, with all the shaking taking place, God paid a price. Um, Jesus said, there's a body that you prepared for me. That's the church. And we are the body of Christ. We have a local body in every city, every town has a local church, local body. It is not something just spread all over. It is local houses, places, a house, a house. A temple, a dwelling place. This is what God is doing. So, um, what I uh, I just want to continue sharing is about, and I started last week about um, apostolic eschatology, and I said it is it is not about specific functions of Ephesians four, speaking about the fivefold ministry. It is not specifically about the the function of the apostle, but it goes what 
apostolic means. And uh, so for those who haven't heard last week's, get last week's message because that was the intro for today. So you've got to put two safety belts on today. Are you ready? Just put them on, click them in, get them on. Good, good, good. All right, so last week I started to speak about this and where the term actually apostolic comes from. I said to you about um, it was really a concept which uh, in the Old Testament it wasn't, it wasn't a word known. And it came about from the Greeks and the Romans picked up on this, which is the word apostolos, which means sent. And where I said wherever the, the because what actually happened was this, is wherever the Romans went in, I mean, they took over the whole new, the new world, known world. They went in, they conquered, and they went in. But what they found is that when they took over countries, cities, villages, when they came back after a number of years, those people had reverted back to the old ways. And then they realized they needed to do something different. So when they went in with the generals, they also took in their musicians, they took their, their architects in, they took their politicians in they took their and they actually transformed the culture so um, that is then the word that Jesus came about and then he says in the New Testament he speaks to his disciples he says therefore he says he called them apostles and that is sent ones so the nature and the understanding behind what apostolic means is that as a church as local churches we ought to go into regions, territories, nations, and to bring about the kingdom culture. All right, so if we just bring in a Christian taste of culture, we just form a religious system. All right, so the message of salvation alone is not the kingdom message, because in the kingdom message is a, the salvation, obviously. Um, so whenever we go into a city or town, so into business, into education, into media, into uh, the arts, whatever mountain we've been speaking about the last couple of months, whatever area we go into, we bring about actual transformation of the culture. It is a new way of living, a new way of thinking. So if we don't come in with new truth, we don't come in with new behavior. So Jesus comes to us and he, and he says, this is the model prayer. So this is not the, the Lord's Prayer because Jesus didn't have to pray this. Because it's the Lord's Prayer, which is referred to, it says, forgive us our sins. Jesus didn't sin. Okay, so you understand he was teaching people how to pray. And he, and he says, this is what I want you to understand. I, I want you to understand this. What the will is in heaven is what the will of God is on earth. This must be reality. So this was a bit of the background that I shared in last weekend. And what I said is that um, the eschatology, which is end time teaching, presently on planet Earth, is very scary for me. So there's a lot of people, preachers, prophets out there that have taken hold of certain um, uh, theology, which is caused by actual fear. And I'll get to that just now. So I want to just give you an understanding of what the Word of God says. So this week, I want to give you a lot more scripture and stuff that we just understand this as well. All right. Um, so a lot of, let me just first say, there's a lot of the theology concerning the end times. Um, I even learned it the wrong way. So even in my Bible college, we were taught in certain things. But there's certain things we need to understand right because 
if you don't understand what God wants to do through the church, you cannot understand end times. If you don't understand the purpose of God, why did he send Jesus? It's to save the world for what? To save people just to go to heaven. No. It is to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So this was the assignment mandate given to Adam and Eve from the beginning. Rule, reign, have dominion, multiply. And so when it goes bad, we read things in a bad way. All right. So are you ready? All right. So um, I've said to you and actually gave you, remember the dates I told you about, you know, from the 1800s to 1927, there was uh, how there was an increase of people on planet Earth. And I told you basically, you know, within uh, uh, 12 years that the, the, the actual population on earth you know, increased by a billion people and how many people are living now. The most people that have ever lived on planet earth alive are living now. All right, so God has something he wants to do. The enemy also has something he wants to do. So um, basically there's, there's two core, main core values that, that many times people have when they read into the end times. And these are the two core values that a lot of theology is based on presently. The first one being, there will be wars and rumors of wars. The Bible says that. You agree with me? It says that. Okay. Wars and rumors of wars. And then the second thing is, it says, when they say peace and safety, destruction will come upon you suddenly. Isn't that so? So, the main end time thinking, even that's been given through the church, uh, goes about, um, you know what, it's, it's, it's really g- going to be bad, all right? So it's this, this end time view, and um, basically it's not, you're not going to have a good day. <laughs> you expect the worst, so economies, government, education, all these mountains is built on like, it's not going to go well. And there's enough facts to prove that. But it's not truth. Okay. So the thing is this. <clears throat> you know, someone, you know, if someone, if, if your friend loses their work, then it's their job, their work. It's like, okay, we're in recession. But when you lose your job, then we're in depression. <laughs> Isn't that so? It's like the worst, and then it's more worse. So suddenly it's recession, now it's depression. So, and sometimes, you know, things grow like this in a negative way. So some people say, um, you, know, you know, I have peace. Just listen to me. Some people say, I have peace. Yes, I have peace in Jesus. But um, the thing is, if you step out to your front door and you look at your neighbor being killed, um, that's going to trouble you. Isn't that so? So it's not like, as Christians... I'm not saying put your head in the sand. Do you understand? I'm not saying, eh, nothing's happening. If your neighbor gets killed next to you, you're going to be upset. Okay. Just hear what I'm saying. So just remember whatever tribulation that we experience or go through, Jesus will give you and me grace. Just understand this. Whatever tribulation, because the Bible says you and I were born for such a time as this. We weren't born, let me, I must make sure about the ages here, but no, we weren't born, let's say 100 years ago, just to be safe. Um, do you understand? We were born for this time. 
it wasn't a mistake that we were born now. Through COVID, through, we were born for now. You're at a certain age for a reason. If you're much younger, you're going to reach further. It's logic. Okay. So, Isaiah chapter 9 says the following. You know the scripture says, Isaiah 9 says, There shall be no end, no end, to, uh, to the increase, not decrease. To the increase of whose? His government and what? Peace. And then it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of the Lord. So what am I I'm saying? If, if the Bible says there will, be no, there will be increase of his government, there's not going to be decrease and peace will increase. Okay? You still with me? Isaiah 2, we know this very well. Isaiah chapter 2, very key scripture. Isaiah 2. It says there, I'm going to just read a bit here from verse 2 to 4. Isaiah chapter 2, 2 to 4. It says, now it shall come to pass. When? Now it shall come to pass in the what? Latter days. Okay? That the mountain of the Lord's house. Okay, that's the church. That's the that's the kingdom, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established on the top of the mountains. We shared about the seven domains or mountains, dominions, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then in verse 4 says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. Listen to this, it says, They shall beat their sword into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But when is this speaking about? All right. Just hold on, hold on. So it says in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, it says, It shall come to pass when? In the last days. Isn't that so? In Acts chapter 2 verse 17, remember Peter starts to explain. And he says, and what Peter goes and does, he goes and quotes what the prophet Joel was saying. All right? Because the Holy Spirit was poured out. Remember? It was poured out in the upper room. So Peter goes and he says, listen, I want to give you context of what's busy happening here. All right? And he says the following. He says, so, so he says, in the what? The last days... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Isn't that so? So what is do, Peter doing? He's explaining because there's people that were drunk in the spirit. Well, they, they were intoxicated, not from alcohol, but they were intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. So in, someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, intoxicated, and he compares to someone who's looking drunk in the natural they're not walking right. They're laughing about the most stupid things. They, you understand? This is what he's speaking about. So he's explaining this. And then he says this. This, he says, this is that. What Joel's prophesied. This is that. 
that was spoken by Joel. Are you still with me? And he says, it shall come about in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What was he saying? He was saying this day, 2,000 years ago, that the last days was inaugurated then. So it's not we come into the last days. The last days was inaugurated there. He was explaining this is that. In the last days I'll pour out my spirit. It was inaugurated then. Alright? So, what does it say? And this is where a lot of theologians miss this thing. It says, it was the last days, not the last day. So when you look at end time teaching eschatology, the last days is 2,000 years ago. It's not the last day. That means what? The Holy Spirit's been poured out and I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. There's a lot more rain to come. Even the rain that's falling outside, but the spiritual rain that's to come in the nations. There's a lot more rain still to come. And guess what? There will still be many people God wants to pour His Spirit upon. Amen? He says on all flesh. So Peter said, this is the last days. That's 2,000 years ago. Isaiah says what? Isaiah says, I will come about in the last days, that it will come about in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord will become the chief mountain. Did you hear what I said? He didn't say the last day. He said in the last days that the mountain, the Zion church, the church will become the mountain of the Lord where nations will come to. This is not in the millennium because it's not the last day. The initial response to the outpouring that Joel prophesied about was people were drunk in the spirit. They were prophesying, they were speaking in tongues. But in Isaiah 2 verse 4, in Isaiah 2 4, which I just read to you, yeah. It says, but it will move what's going to happen. In verse 4 it says, he shall judge. Between nations, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither again shall they lean, learn war anymore. <clears throat> when is that? In the last days. It doesn't say in the last day. Guys, I want you to understand this because, yeah, um, I don't want to run ahead. Let me, let me just stick to this before I run ahead. So, it does not say it will come about after the tribulation. Did you hear what I said? It does not say uh, this peace and this 
where they turn their weapons into, uh, yes, old terms, into, you know, they're, they're not going to use it as weapons. There's a turning around of what is happening on planet Earth. Um, it does not say the last days, but it also, it, will, it says, um, it, it also does not say that this will t- come about after tr- the tribulation. got it it does not say it will come about in the millennium that's a thousand year reign when jesus comes a second time we'll rule and reign with him on earth for a thousand years the millennium remember what i said to you previously a lot of eschatology a lot of the guys you can sit you can listen to the theologians they will tell you about how um all this stuff will happen in the millennium when you know jesus has come and They'll tell you. The thing is, it doesn't say that. That's how it's been interpreted. And I'm, I'm giving you scriptures speaking about the last days. It's not speaking of a day of judgment, which we'll get to. Okay, so um, it does not say it will come about when Jesus returns. It doesn't say it will come about in the millennium. It does not say it will come about in the, you know, uh, 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 in the last days. Okay, so the thing is this. There is something that is called the last days, and there's something that's called the last day. Now, in the New Testament, the last day is also called the following. The last day is called uh, the last day. It's called the great and terrible day. Um, And it's also a time of judgment that will take place. And, um, you know, well, it's great if you receive Jesus, yes. Um, and, we, yeah, we, we, that's, that's the will of God, that people receive Jesus. Um, but Jesus said, you, will, you know, Jesus basically was saying, listen, you will not go to hell over my dead body, but people still step over his body. Isn't that so? People still step over what he did. They still choose. So remember we said before, hell was not created for people, but people choose where they want to go. All right, so we know there are last days, but we don't know how long they will last. So we're in the last days already 2,000 years, but we don't know how long it's going to last. But there are certain things, if you understand the church, what must happen, the kingdom being established through the church. We spoke about the seven domains. What must happen? All these become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So we have to influence, bring about transformation, and that we've done did for two months almost. So the thing is this. Um, in the last days, it says there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines. And basically, these are all signs of what? Of the last days. And it's been happening for 2,000 years. I mean, there's wars, rumors of wars. There's famines. There's floods. I mean, we hear all the time of this. Isn't it so? So, these are all signs of what? The last days. And in the midst of these 2,000 years, okay, um, yeah, we see Acts chapter 2. So, so in the midst of these 2,000 years, from Acts chapter 2, 
it says the last days. And it was proclaimed um, up until today's 2,000 years. So when we get to the end of the last days, we're going to get to the last day. Okay, you still there? So it's very interesting because the last day is described nine times in the New Testament. The last day. Nine times is described in the New Testament. And it's called the day of the Lord, the last day, or the day of judgment. That's how it's described, the last day. And um, basically, it's always described when God judges the world. Those nine times it's mentioned in the New Testament. So, guess what? You're not living in the last day. Just that you know. Just to make sure. So when will that happen? I don't know. Even the Bible says Jesus doesn't know when that day will be. The last day. Alright? So, between the last days and the last days and the last day is thousands of years. We know it's been 2,000. We don't know how many more. But it's the last days. Okay? So if you read even the, the epistles of Peter and Paul, very interesting is that Peter and Paul, even if you read their letters, is that they felt that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Hello? If you read their letters, it, it sounded like Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. That was 2,000 years ago. So if you're only looking for the signs for Jesus' return, um, you actually might have only picked up the bad signs. I mean, I, it's incredible. And you know, since there's online stuff and internet, you see stuff coming there. You know, a lot of these people also have, they don't even have a local church. <laughs> they just post. And you see the followers, tens of thousands. Because what you tune into, are you tuned into the second heaven or the third heaven? Because there's enough proof in the second heaven to tell you what's gone wrong. And I said to you, so the first heaven is here. The second heaven is a spiritual realm. The third heaven is positioning where God is there. We are in Christ, but He's ever present. Okay. So many times we tune into the wrong frequency, and you're going to pick up the wrong influence. Um, so the only thing that that if you're only reading the signs of the earthquakes, the rumors of war, the only things you might have counted are the bad things and not the promises. And this is what I said. A lot of theologians have taken the promises of God and they've put it into the millennium. They've only got the bad things now. They haven't got the promises of God this side. All right? So I've got good news for you, even for South Africa, even for whatever nation's watching. Doesn't matter how bad it's going, it's going to get better. Hello? If the church has lost their hope, then we've got a hopeless situation. Because the church is the, is, is, is the force 
of transformation of society. It's not politicians. It's not business. It's not. As the church influences these domains, transformation happens. All right, so many of the promises um, that God has actually given, especially with this teaching in theology, is the many of the promises of God get pushed into the, this millennium. And um, the thing is this, is that it's mentioned one time in Revelations, and it's mentioned one time in Daniel. So you understand when theology is done, you've you got to have, you cannot just take a scripture from here and here and link things like this. You've got to take the context of what God intended from the start to the end. Book of Revelations refers to also, not just the end, it refers to the past, the present, and future. That's the book of Revelations. So we read into things out of context because we're experiencing bad things on planet Earth. And we build up. And the thing is, we actually, I said to you last week, because of our bad understanding of end times, we actually delay in the return of Jesus. We're working against the return of Jesus because we read with a lie. He said, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we believe the will of God is the destruction of everything on earth, we delay what he wants to do. And then God has to raise other generations up to bring about truth. Okay? You know what? I, I, that's, that's why so many Christians are depressed. Because we've lost hope. All right? Isaiah um, 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, verse 4 it says there swords that swords will turn be swords will turn into plowsheds plowshares peace will be made okay in Micah chapter 4 verse 1 we also referred to Micah 4 when we spoke about this previously when will this happen in the last days not the last day it does not say in the millennium right so um, it says here the verse it says now it shall come to pass in the latter days, Micah 4, 1. Now it shall come to pass in the last day, no, in the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow to it. Isaiah 9 verse 1 again said, There will be no end to the increase of his government. All right? And peace for the zeal of the Lord will establish this God says this is done this is going to happen whether you believe it or not this is going to happen alright so this is going to happen alright this is going to happen so we will yeah, hopefully the connection is not bad alright um, so this is going to happen. It's the Lord's will. So the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's, it's going to happen. I mean, John 14. 
John 14 speaks about greater things you will do. Jesus says, greater things you will do when I go to the Father. Okay? Greater things we are to do, that's what God's called us to. He's even called us to, to make disciples of all nations. That's what he called us to do. So he wants it to be on earth as it is in heaven. All right. So, um, you know, do you think, do you think maybe that Jesus uh, would teach you to pray this prayer, but actually that, but not believe it? Make disciples of all nations. You know, I want to teach you this prayer. Make disciples of all nations and that, but actually don't believe it. Because that's what he said must happen. All right, so in Luke 18, it speaks about how, um, who know, remembers the story in Luke 18 about the, the wicked judge. And remember the woman comes there, it's this, Jesus tells the story basically of this wicked judge and the widow. And uh, basically she keeps going back to the judge and she's nagging the judge, she's nagging him. And, and basically he says, basically he says, you wearing me out. And then what he does is he says, I will give her what she wants. Remember, this is Jesus giving this parable about what happens. This judge is there and this widow comes and nags and nags, but he's wicked. And he says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to give what she wants. The next verse says, in this, says, but when, but, Jesus says, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find such faith on earth? Did you hear what I just said? When Jesus returns, will he find this faith on earth? It does not say faith to believe. It does not say faith to believe things will get worse. Do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't say I need faith to believe things are getting worse. He he says, will I find such faith? Not in the negative. So, all the devil needs, guess what, is for you to believe things will get worse. All the devil needs is for you to believe things are going to get worse. So, the whole earth operates by what? By faith. Isn't that so? So, if you are green, well, oh my goodness, there's the price of ESCOM gone up again. Oh my, guess what? For every problem, there's a solution. And the more the church resists and agrees with that what is wrong, the longer it lasts. So guess what? You and I pass away and our children sit with the problem. Because as parents, we've agreed with the wrong things. And when we, by faith, because by faith, we believe. But you can have faith in the negative. And when you believe the wrong things, you empower the wrong things. If you believe, oh, well, my work's going to get worse. Well done. You've just made your work worse. I don't hear what I'm saying this morning. Because if a widow could put a demand on a judge, which was wicked, and he changed his mind because she contended by faith, to possess something which he was wicked and didn't want to give. 
she transformed even the judge. And there's a judge in this world called the devil. And the more we agree with this, the more we actually empower this lie. That's why things get worse on planet earth. Why? Because the church is the ones that are preaching this bad message. And we've put our faith together. Oh, Jesus, he's coming, he's coming. Ha! To hell with earth. Come on. Then you don't understand the kingdom. Because it is his will that what is in heaven must happen on earth. And we just want a salvation ticket to get out of earth. Because we've never been given the kingdom message. We've been given the message of salvation. So the whole earth operates by faith. And you and I can even give permission to the devil. And by giving permission to the devil, we empower him. So what if I'm wrong? <laughs> what if I'm wrong with what I'm sharing with you? Well, and if we believe the end time teachings about the Antichrist and the beast, well, I'm going to be the happiest Christian then on earth if I meet the Antichrist face to face. I won't be in depression and hiding in a cave. Like a lot of Christians are trying to do. And if I die... I anyway am in glory. So why are you fearing death? Guys, this is a message of the word of God. It's the good news, actually. It's the good news. Just because you might have a following of tens of thousands or churches of like that means squat if you don't speak the truth, the good news with hope. That's why Jesus came. He brought hope. So, you don't have to prepare for tribulation. You know why? Because what did Jesus say? It's good to listen to Jesus, isn't it? So, what did Jesus say? In the world, you will have tribulation. Oh! I don't have to wait for it. You will have it. Huh. Oh, so that's what's been happening. We're we, we building up this monster. Listen to me, in Genesis, there was a snake that appeared to Eve. In the last book, book of Revelations, the snake has become a dragon. How is it possible? Because we've empowered a lie that was a creep on earth, creeping around, and now it's become a dragon. The devil is powerless. A lot of us don't know what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says that when Jesus, is, what he did, being crucified and what he did on the cross, it said he made the devil powerless. The only power and authority the devil has is what we give him. That's why he walks around like a roaring lion. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He looks at what is in you and me, which we still agree with him. And that empowers the lie. And that is the authority given in the areas of our lives. Guys, this is, this is truth. So, 
Jesus says you will have tribulation. So that's what we go through is tribulation. And a lot of us are waiting for this day. No, no, we're in the last days already. So we will have, guess what? And I said before, we will have grace to live through any tribulation. Just like we need grace to live today. Jesus says, you know, sometimes you read it because it's a nice thing. Uh, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you and me. Today, tomorrow, forever. Because grace empowers. We all are going to die. Just, you know, my name's not Enoch, but we're all going to die. Whether in the tribulation or something else. Ah, yes, we're all going to die. What do you think these people in these war zones, what... Do you know the hell they're going through the tribulation? You and I have no idea about. No idea. And you think, you know, we're building this monster up that's becoming a dragon from a crawling in a as a creep on the ground. Jesus already defeated death on the cross. So why be afraid? So a lot of this eschatology is built on fear. I said before, even on the mountain of economy or business, the economies or systems will fall, but money and wealth will not fall away. They, they, they still be, at, at, you know, it's... <laughs> yes, I mean, if you look at what's happening on the stock exchanges, Wall Street, these places, I mean, you see the companies involved. There's, there's a lot of wickedness happening. But a lot of these things are going to fall. doesn't mean to say there's no wealth and finances anymore. So the systems of this world, there will be things that, because they've been falling. What was it, 2008? There's these things happen. It's going to happen. Oh, then everything's gone, you know, and you wait for the chip, and you're going to get the chip here, and the chip in your forehead. Okay, now the barcode's gone. So they don't really work with the barcodes anymore. Now it's there. You've seen the implants in your fingers, and, uh, and there's these documentaries. They put it in you, and you feel it, and you scan, you go into your house. You're oh, my goodness. And that's now the mark of the beast, and if you've got that mark, but the Bible actually says those who are Christians already been sealed. Anyway, we won't go there this morning. So, Jesus has already paid and he's defeated death. So, don't be afraid. The thing is, the wrong end time theology re-empowers the devil, which Jesus disempowered on the cross. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. We are nullifying the work of what Jesus did on the cross by acknowledging the lie of what we empower in the end time or the last day. And suddenly the devil's so powerful. How did he get it? Do you, do you hear? Think, think of it. How is it that the devil can become like the devil? Because we empower the devil. 
by what we agree with and not what the word of God says. In Colossians chapter 1, it says there, Jesus defeated the devil on the cross. So how did we actually then create a theology that gives the power back to the devil? Because then you realize some of this end time teaching is giving the power back to the devil. How did this happen? You know, there are many scriptures that I don't understand. <laughs> but that can't validate this wrong theology. There are scriptures that I can give many people in that have this cockeyed um, end time theology. So there's scriptures I can give to them that don't have that they don't actually have answers and that they don't have answers for unless they push it into the millennium. So any theology that discourages and that does not build my faith, I question. If you have theology that doesn't give you hope and doesn't increase your faith, there's something not right. And, and the thing is this, guys, just hear me right, uh, the body of Christ, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to point a finger, but the thing is this, there's many people with great followings and stuff that have got certain teachings, they're wonderful people, but have got this, and, and we're living in such a crucial time as the body of Christ, where God actually is saying, go and possess the land, go and possess the promises, go in and possess, and there's many people in the church that are not possessing the promises of God because we don't realize there are promises. We only see the giants. And because we've seen the giants, it's the majority that remained behind. Joshua and Caleb had another spirit. Because they saw what God saw. They never saw with their eyes. They saw with the eyes of God. What are you seeing or what are you hearing right now on planet earth? Are you growing in faith? Are you putting demand on the wicked judges? Because God is looking for that heart, not to accept business as usual. And that is why even as a local church, God has called us also to pioneer things. And it's a lonely road. And many people will criticize you for that. But we've got to make a way for others to come in. And we do not know everything, I promise you. we just got the battle scars to show. God's called us to make disciples of all nations. The Bible says to Abram, all the earth will be blessed through you. Yet I don't see one nation discipled yet on planet earth. Make disciples of all nations. 
Amen. All right, I'm going to just end it there. I'm going to just end it there. A lot of food for thought, but I really believe God wants to shift the hearts of not just us as a church, that we gather hope despite whatever's happening in South Africa, despite economy, government, business, doesn't matter. We've got to gather hope and faith in the promises of God and not in the failures of man. Let us empower what God says and not what the enemy is doing. Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. So, Father, I want to just pray for every person here this morning. I want to pray for everyone listening on the line as well as the message afterwards. And, Lord, I just want to decree and I want to declare in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a new standard being raised in the body of Christ where we'll see believers, where we'll see people that become planet changers to transform this world to, to look like that world on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, I want to pray that, that we will be a people of hope and of promise because we have promises to take possession of. Give us a spirit of, of, of courage just to take and to possess the land. To see your kingdom come, Lord, in whatever sphere or whatever mountain on this planet Earth. Give us a grace, Lord, and may this message even just touch people's hearts. That, Lord, that, that you'll see that it is, none of us have all the answers. But we choose to believe your word has hope and it has promises. And that our faith will be built on truth and not on fear. Father, I pray that you'd help us, give us the grace just to possess, to retain this word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.